Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way podcast. Uh, you know, this this third way applies to really any aspect of life. Um, my topics tend to orient towards areas of my interest. You know, I used that's why I almost called it sex, religion, and politics. Today, we're not really going to talk about any of those three things, I don't think. Um, and I'm joined today by a dear friend of mine, Douglas Ferguson. Douglas is the CEO and founder of Voltage Control. And Voltage Control is a facilitation academy that develops leaders through certifications, workshops, um, et cetera, around this idea of facilitation mastery. And it's Douglas's and his team's um, view, which I very much endorse, that facilitation is a modern day leadership must have. We live in a very collaborative world. We're leading millennials and Zoomers now, which were raised in groups. Um, inclu inclusivity means everyone's opinion, and that takes deft and uh, skill at facilitating those conversations. So welcome, Douglas. Thank you so much. It's great to be here and to speak with you today. So, you know, we have these, <laughs> these conversations when we get together for lunch that they really could we we could record them um so you know this will feel a little bit like that to us for for the for the audience who's not heard you and i converse it really is a uh sort of an intimate meeting of the minds um one of the things i admire about you is that you you don't you have a, a maybe inside you're a mess i don't know but it appears that you have this quiet confidence that allows you to listen to other ideas and you have you found almost this third way of listening to ideas where it's not like you're defending your position or you're condemning someone else's ideas. And so you're very safe to talk to to, to around really any topic. And I, I just wanted to say, so it's literally on record that I really admire that about you. Wow, uh, I appreciate that. You know, it's uh, as someone who values that very deeply. Sometimes I can be hard on myself, like, am I listening enough? Am I open to enough ideas? Because at some points, you do have to take a stand on things. And, um, you know, there's there's a, a time to have opinions and beliefs. And so anyway, right. it's great to hear that because I value that deeply. Right. And so, um, you know, you and I met, I don't know, five, six years ago. And uh, so the world has changed a lot since we met. We met pre-COVID. We, we met, you know, kind of pre um, the era, era of politics that we're in now. Um, and we met when there was just a, it was a different world five years ago. And um, so one of the things that's emerged over that five years is AI. And now it's everywhere in the sense of, you know, it's a, it is a, like a few years ago, the main conversations that CEOs and founders were having were around like culture brand and growth. And of course, they still have those conversations, but now they're talking about like um, di uh, diversity and, you know, being in uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. They're talking about AI. And so, and they're talking about how to make us uh, talking about social impact. Those are common modern business discussions. So we could talk about a lot of things, but I wanted to center on, on AI and have a conversation with you about that. 
Well, it's something that a lot of people are talking about. You know, I was at South by a few months ago, or not quite, a few months ago. It was just a little over a month. It feels like it's a year ago now, as fast yeah. as everything's <laughs> happening. But, but uh, you know, it was certainly everyone was talking about it. Even Esther Perel is talking about AI, and so it's definitely front and center in a way that it hasn't been. And you know, it's funny because when I first started Voltage Control, I was talking a lot about how the rise of AI and automation was going to create a dynamic in the workplace where people were going to be fearful about the uncertainty. There's going to be a lot of angst, um, a lot of discomfort, and facilitation was going to play a really important role, especially as you know these deeply techno technological requirements on some, from some jobs and then other jobs disappearing we're going to bifurcate a bit to where we've got the deeply technical folks and then we've got the deeply human folks and uh, facilitation is going to play a big role in helping people explore that humanity and even bridge the gap between those two two divides if you will yeah yeah and you know it's also therefore in in you know the headlines of the news you know with the future and uh and you know what's the threat and and politicians tend to run on the laggard side of things or the reactive side of things, or they just are easily persuaded by much more by special interests than actually things that are interesting or new or beneficial. Um, but so I think this digging into the first question is, is AI a threat to your business model? Mm. You know, I recently saw someone summarize my thoughts to a T on LinkedIn. And what what they said was, AI is not gonna replace you, a human with AI is going to replace you. <laughs> and so I think it's a threat to everybody who's not embracing it. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I'm an optimist, I believe in abundance. But at the same time, we had to be very careful about this technology. It's something to be mindful of, and but we we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't assume it's not going to impact us. We shouldn't assume it's going to destroy us. I think we had to lean in with curiosity and growth, and think about how we can work with it. And um, I think it's just another thing to learn. Just like I remember when Google took over Yahoo, and and search really became something different. And you had to learn how to search. I think just like we had to learn how to search, we had to learn how to prompt these AIs. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Gates said that AI is the biggest technology breakthrough since bigger than if the internet, bigger than the personal computer even. Um, and so when you think about people that are threatened by it, like, you know, there's, there's sort of this uh, regulatory threat. Um, but you know, and the and if you take the genre of of well, like you said, everyone's threatened by it, should be threatened by it if they're not if they don't understand it and don't know how to adapt it, which would be the same as at a much smaller level in many ways, less of a social impact, but the same way you know, ta taxi cab companies afraid of Uber, um, as an example. Um, and so for me as a coach, you know, as primarily within the realm of uh, brand coaching and mission coaching, I don't actually, I think it enhances the value of coaching 
and 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 the crossover here is I think it will enhance the value and significantly enhance the value of facilitation because if everything that is being done related to learning um, or most things are being done related to learning learning are able to be um, systematized through AI, then the meetings of people, the intention of those meetings rather than the transfer of knowledge, moving from transfer of knowledge to generation of ideas, um, that's not a threat at all. In fact, that could be a huge assist to that process as long as a the facilitator, or in my case, the coach, understands really what is happening, what is what is going on. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of examples in how these tools can be assists to use your word there, how they can support us in various ways. It's uh, that's exactly how I've been thinking about using the tools. And for instance, if it's a moment where you're trying to generate more ideas, simply generating some extra ideas from ChatGPT or Claude or any of these other large language models can be really fun and really unlock thinking. And you know, maybe nine times out of 10, the answers you get back, the ideas are going to be bad. But having that stuff to react to, it's like so often I know the answer when I see the wrong answer. And so that can be really powerful. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why bringing a, a group of people together and exploring ideas can be really powerful. But if you've ever been in that situation where you, you try to get the thoughts percolating through the room and it's everyone's just kind of stuck and kind of staring at each other and looking at the walls staring out the window uh the the large language model does not do that now it might hallucinate it might spit out some garbage but having that thing to react to like if imagine the um the the team is in that moment they're all kind of staring around just they're, they're stuck and then we get a list of things back and everyone hates everything on the list and now we're united in that in the hatred of that yeah. output from chat gpt right and that can be powerful and the, and the ideas start to flow so i think there's so many ways that these tools can assist us and make us better even if even kind of non-obvious ones yeah i love that and i i like this idea too that um ai especially some of the language informed ones ai is going to help um separate the the content production from the artist mm. um you know so whether that's whether you're a you know if you're a traditional copywriter if you if you write you know like uh elaine bennis's character hun seinfeld he writes for j peterman catalog that's the kind of stuff that ai will be able to do you give them the parameters of the urban sombrero they'll be it'll be able to put together really good copy um what it can't do is to explain why emotionally you might want this product that's where the art comes in i also think that in a group setting it's going to reveal confirmation bias and i know you've experienced this and i have like we're leading a discussion say you know for around in my case maybe around brand and they're like oh i like this i like this i like this and what most people bring to the table when it comes to language and the words they use is what they heard someplace else there's not a lot of originality well chat gpt or some of the other language ones could would reveal that they would be like yeah, here's 27,000 other companies that are using um, excellence and service as their slogan, you know, things like that. 
And anything, and I look at this overall as anything that re, that separates the commodity from the creator, the creative is a good thing. If you are a cre- actually a creative and not just a machine that's producing stuff. Absolutely. And I, I think that's critical to think about how you separate those two things, because oftentimes it can be intertwined. So, you know, taking time to examine and think critically about what is the art and what I'm doing and how can I even request of this large language model to point out to me where I'm my blind spots, for instance, you know, if if we are um, talking like every other brand on the planet, like that would be a great prompt to ask in those moments, like, you know, how, how unique is this? What other, what other companies talk, talk like this, but that's where the expertise come in. We can't even ask those questions of the model unless we're aware that that is an issue to ask about. And I think that is often what people miss in, in, in this fear of these systems. It's like, sure, it can, the, it can write code, but does it know what kind of code to ask for? Does it know about security issues that you might want to point out that it needs to address? Um, in fact, uh, one of my favorite quotes about software development is writing software is easy, Justin. Hmm. It's getting it to work. And that's the hard part. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of getting it to work, I don't know if anybody listen can hear this, but there's a leaf blower outside my office window. Can you hear it, Douglas? I can barely hear it. It sounds like a, a little distant little okay. like um, accordion right. or something. Well, maybe my microphone's working properly because as you know, one of the features of this show is I do not edit. Uh, so um, well, let's move into the second question, which is how, so how can AI be used as an innovation or growth tool? Um, how, how could, th- yeah, just give us a download of that and I'll react to it as well. You know more about this mm. than I do, but I have opinions. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it can certainly, I mean, to our point earlier, it can impact how um, people are thinking. You know, if if there's confirmation bias or if we're all thinking the same, it can be, be a way of introducing new thought. And for those that haven't spent a lot of time um, prompting large language models, I think the the interesting thing to think about, and I encourage everyone to, when you're using ChatGPT and other tools, tell it who you want it to behave as. Give it that personality. And so if you think there's a point of view that would be helpful in the conversation, ask them to take on that point of view. So, um, you know, tell it that they are Steve Jobs. Tell it that they are Nelson Mandela. Like, whose point right. of view do you want? Right. And um, have it take on that point of view. Give it the context you think it needs. And um, I think that's pretty surprising to see kind of what kinds of perspectives you start to get when you when you when you um, when you use it in that way. And then the other thing I'll say is there's a lot of research that's shown that most innovation already exists. And basically, it's finding um, nascent opportunities in your space or industry that have been used in another industry for years. Right. And so connecting the dots like that are going to become easier and easier with these tools that are just basically pattern matching at the core. I mean, if you literally look at the base model, it's all about prediction and pattern matching. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I think this for me that what I see with with AI with innovation and growth is um, essentially underserved markets because of the mm-hmm. blinders and the kind of linear, the linear you know to use energetic terms, the linear and masculine predominant thinking within American corporations is very point A to point B. It can be very limiting. And I think AI with the proper prompts, again, somebody that can use AI properly will be able to show you uh, how, you know, there's this, there's this underutilized market uh, or underutilized markets are out there, Um, especially because now demographics are so useless as a, as a measurement tool. Um, And I think another Another area is being able to, uh, on a rapid scale, almost imagine it through kind of like um, something that Virginia is an expert in around sort of complexity science and the, the, the fact that all cultures are actually ecosystems, they're not machines, is that when you apply AI to an ecosystem, in a business ecosystem, it's going to be able to almost have this open source uh, approach to innovation, to, to responding to customer needs. Uh, and we think about like what real-time inventory did uh, for through ERPs back in the day, mm-hmm. or we think about um, like rapid survey deployment, what that has done. You take all of that and you're able to get a better understanding of your customers on a mass scale, then you're able to analyze, and I know of a particular software that does this within the banking industry, so that's AI-based, that will analyze the uh, type of business your clients are doing with you as a bank and, and give you suggestions on what to sell them based off of their buying patterns and their business models. Stuff that you would have to hire 10 analysts to do that in, you know, from, a, from a business standpoint. And I think the, the, final, the final area that I see anyway related to innovation is a better understanding of the patterns of your um, of your competitors. And this idea of being blindsided by competition, I think AI would would build in something that a, a friend of mine, great friend of mine, Bryce Hoffman has called red team thinking. It would build in some some information that helps with red team thinking and help eliminate some of these ideas that people have that they don't they get blindsided by the competition. And it gives you a much clearer sense, um, like like a sports team watching game film, a much clearer sense of what's real and what's a bias. Mm. Yeah, as you were talking, it, it made me think about how, you know, I think it was 2016, they, were, they had proclaimed to be the year of the chatbot. And I think actually now we're here because um, the the stuff we're seeing as far as like when you look at the the plugin architecture for chat GPT and then what some companies are able to do by leveraging the GPT API, these chat interfaces are quite compelling. And um, the one that I was thinking about, because you were talking about like once you marry the company data, you could start to do, get some really interesting insights. And HubSpot has released an alpha product called ChatSpot. And mm. you can literally in ChatSpot, and it's the thing is, is, you know, GPT has only been trained up to 2021. So it doesn't really know anything beyond mm-hmm. 2021. And it certainly doesn't know your intimate details about your CRM. But mm-hmm. now 
HubSpot knows is your CRM. So it's marrying the CRM data plus the with the GPT model. And so you can you can ask it open things like, um, you know, give me a give me a report on my top performing clients and you know what mm -hmm. what do you what and asking it kind of nuanced questions, which is so much more fun than going and building a report. Yes. And you could even play off of that and imagine, you know, where you could rapidly deploy based off of survey data, landing pages, and with the with the uh, funnel language, uh, you know, that's really specifically designed around the customer itself, each each customer. So it's hyper personalized in that process. That now is yes, there's there's tools for that out there, but not the way that the ChatGPT and others are are doing it. Um, so last question is, what are you optimistic about as it relates to AI? When you look into the future, what do you see the future in, through the lens of op something optimistic about the way we're going to use, utilize a AI in the future? Well, you know, I'm kind of very optimistic around the possibilities. I think also we do, we do have to keep in mind that it's a very powerful tool and um, I'm, I think we just have to understand that we are using a, a great, powerful tool, and we should be mindful of the things that we ask of it. So that's mm. I'll just say that, right? I okay. think researchers that are working on it, as we use it, let's just if we can all just agree to 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 ask it to do things that are worthy of being done. Mm. Um, and with, with that, there's so much possibility. I think the thing is, is we, it, it is the technology that will uh, or, or basically either um, make us immortal or make us extinct. Right. right. Like we're basically walking the extinction line with this stuff, right? And it's, so that's super like fascinating and also scary. And I mean, it's really, you, there's so much you could imagine. I, I think, Probably the healthcare um, implications, you know, as I'm an uh, um, aging older male, um, really super interested in how we can start to maybe merge Western medicine and Eastern medicine in some really profound ways. Yeah. Because I think Western medicine's, you know, evidence based medicine, you know, these interventions, um, have been seeking to understand. And I think the AI could help us understand, maybe without even being able to reason about it, but, but it, it's understood <laughs> and it's presented in a way that, um, that can be trusted. I think we start to get into some real, I mean, it's like Star Trek territory, you know, with the, yeah. you know, the, the little device, the transcoder or whatever it's right. called. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, there's a great book that I'll put in the show notes that I recommend that is kind of it's a it's what I call a uh, a history book about the future. And it's called Stories, Dice and Rocks That Think by Byron Reese. Uh, Byron is a lives here in Austin as well. And he was a guest on my podcast last year and he's an AI expert and he he holds this very similar view. You do, Douglas, that, yes, there are areas that will require regula regulation just like the internet requires some regulation. You know, I, I am a small market capitalist, but I also understand that there regulate some things need regulation and 
you know, AI will be one of those things, which is why we need to elect smarter, more modern politicians. Uh, first of all, I don't want uh, old, crusty old white dudes uh, making decisions about AI. Um, but the other thing that I'm, I'm, I think I'm most optimistic about from a is for for a variety of reasons is the impact on the new on news and information. Um, I think we're not that far away. I don't know. I don't know when this will happen, but it's we're it's somebody will create something that's AI driven that will replace Twitter, especially now that Musk is you know basically slowly choking it out with his stupidness, and and so imagine and this is too related to the disinformation. AI can be a counter to that disinformation where um, you see a, a, a something posted on social or maybe it's a replacement for Twitter down the road. And you can you you can then ask AI ask AI to analyze this news article for me related to its veracity and accuracy. Mm. So the stuff that the stuff that like factcheck.org does that is still pretty biased um, could be done by anybody. Um, or you can say who else holds this opinion? What percentage of Americans think that all abortion should be banned? As an example. Um, and with and and that will help then give context to a piece of information about you know the abortion conversation, and I think it's going to make for a much more inform, informed voter. And the cost of that is it's just going to be as it is now, way more difficult to bullshit people. You already see that now with uh, the way that millennials and Zoomers vote and the way that they consume media, but it's going to be. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be the democratization of media as much as it's going to be the um, cleaning up of the of the model that is um, reliant on its sensationalism, as an example. Um, I think the other thing I'm optimistic about with AI is that I think it's going to produce an entire in, a new industry for artists and creatives. Um, very similar to how, you know, the internet um, and social media allowed people to live wherever they want and produce art of some sort, whatever that is, and make a nice living at it. So my son, Caden, reluctant hobo on Instagram, a former guest of the show, um, he makes, she does everything off of Instagram. I think that there's going to be these platforms and these opportunities for artists to thrive that are going to um, the AI is going to facilitate that. It's going to make that uh, create a basically a, a new a new way a new way of interacting, a new way of interacting with artists, and a new way for artists to create. Um, in my optimistic view. So, any other thoughts or things that came up for you on this topic that you wanted to talk about? No, I have questions. Uh, you, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me, I had to clear my throat. No, I, I think this has uh, been a fun chat and I'm just super curious to watch all this stuff unfold. And, you know, the, the, the I think you're right, the, the advancements in our ability to understand broader sentiment, how it's gonna impact news and media is gonna be fascinating. Um, I think quality of life should improve across the board. I just hope that we don't create further divides. You know, how can we work toward democratizing access to the stuff so that 
we can humanity in general can can improve and i think your points around yeah. you know more educated politicians all of that stuff's going to help like make sure that those that that we all grow to, to, to better together as a society yeah i i agree and i i feel confident that we will adapt um i do believe that you know i kind of follow the steven pinker model that things move towards better um even if it doesn't feel like it um and even this divisiveness that we have now and you know we have this that we basically have a a media model and a kind of a headline model that runs on tragedy and trump and if we can find ways to have a deeper understanding of each other as humans and that and ai facilitates that i think that's a good thing but i, I think it goes back to what you said a few minutes ago about whoever is using this it needs to be open source so that it doesn't become a you know like the the modern version of the atomic bomb um, mm. it doesn't become a bartering chip for power um and i think that's that's this idea of you know a, a model of governance where things like the internet things like ai are free and accessible to anyone and then it's left to the individual to innovate from there as opposed to hoarding information and i think this applies to the way that in the us in particular like radio waves and television and then the internet you know that all or and cable and internet that all um that was all around like accessibility and, and i think that that same rule applied here is so essential so this does not become a tool of authoritarianism or or tyranny. Mm. Um, yep. it's you know it's it's a it's a it's the it's it's a tool and therefore it is a reflection of the user of that tool um and there's a lot of things like that and um anyway i i, I think that you see in this generation coming up a bit more critical thinking around ideas um a more openness to new ideas i think those are all factors that help like propel the idea forward that AI can help create a, a better, more equitable life for a lot of people. So, well, this has been- Sounds like a good future to me. Yeah, I hope we're alive to see it. Um, thank you so much. This was really fun as I anticipated it would be. And I love your beautiful mind and I'm grateful for our friendship. Same here. Looking forward to talking to you again soon.